Content not suitable for all ages. Listener discretion advised. Welcome to tonight's episode of Cryptic Portal. I'm your host, Mike, and tonight we will be taking you through some true tales of terror. Tonight we bring you four unbelievable true stories that caused complete shock when they made front page news. Our first story was a propaganda campaign and psychological warfare attempt exercised by U.S. forces during the Vietnam War. It's called the Terror of Operation Wandering Soul. If there's anything more effective than physical weapons to defeat enemy soldiers in a war, it's psychological terror. That's just what U.S. troops employed during their invasion in the Vietnam War. In Vietnamese culture, Giving a proper burial to a loved one in their birthplace ensures their contentment in the afterlife. If not, it is believed the deceased soul will wander aimlessly as it tries to find its way home. U.S. forces in the Vietnam War were aware of this belief and took advantage of it to cause terror. Knowing that the Vietnamese people were worried many of their soldiers would die far from home and unable to be properly buried, U.S. forces employed a freaky psychological scare tactic known as Operation Wandering Soul. The 6th Psychological Operations Battalion of the U.S. Army broadcasted disturbing moans of disembodied voices throughout the Vietnam jungle where the battles took place. These fake tapes were played on a series of loudspeakers or dispatched from overhead planes. For many Vietnam soldiers, hearing the cries of supposedly lost souls piercing through the dark was nothing short of terrifying. The scare tactic was inspired by the Ghost Army of World War II, a unit of inflatable tanks and personnel carriers used to fool German intelligence forces into thinking the Allies had more troops and tanks than they actually did. These hair-raising messages that played in the Vietnam battlefield successfully convinced many nervous Vietnamese soldiers that their fallen comrades were skulking invisibly among them. Many of the fake ghost messages recorded were created with the help of South Vietnamese allies and voiced pleas to the soldiers to give up the fight. Quote, My friends, I have come back to let you know that I am dead. I am dead. End quote. Also, quote, don't end up like me, go home, friends, before it's too late, end quote. The tapes were convincing enough to send hundreds of men fleeing from the mountains. Of course, not all Vietnamese soldiers fell for this spooky psychological operation. But even in the midst of a war, it still struck a chord. The soldiers who remained fired in the direction of the eerie voices reminding them of the very real possibility of death 
that awaited them if defeated. The following is real audio of the ghost sounds used by US troops in Vietnam, played in loudspeakers as they fought their way through the jungle. Up next, we have two strange disappearance stories that have never been solved. The first is the disappearance of David Gonzalez, followed by the story of the disappearance of Dennis Martin. Every single year, Americans and international visitors visit national parks to partake in wholesome outdoor activities. They hike, fish, hunt, and go camping. National parks are considered to be one of the healthiest places to go, and that is why so many families visit them every single year. But, as wholesome and safe as people assume national parks to be, there seems to be a rarely discussed dark side to these places that most people don't seem aware of. More specifically, it's the fact that strange disappearances in national parks seem to be way more frequent than they should be. Every year, Hundreds of cases of strange disappearances happen, and only a handful are ever seen again. Nine-year-old David Gonzalez went camping with his family in San Bernardino National Forest. At one point, he asked his mother if he could go and get some cookies from the family car. Forty minutes passed, and his mother realized that David never returned, and that the cookies he wanted to grab were still inside the car. He was never found alive again. His death is viewed as one of the strange disappearance in national parks. A week later, his badly decomposed body was found only a mile away from where he went missing. Mysteriously, this area had already been combed days prior. So this means that the boy must have been dropped there by something or someone. An autopsy revealed no trauma and no overt injury. David Gonzalez was just dead, without any reason or clue as to why. This already is baffling, especially considering the power of forensics and the skill of investigators. But what makes the case of David Gonzalez so strange is not his disappearance alone. It's the way the local authorities and investigators seem to handle the case. To put it simply, the police and investigators were flippant about everything. Any question they were asked, they answered with vague replies. Even requests for records about David was met with hostility. The officials claimed that David was dragged off by a mountain lion, despite no injuries that would suggest that that would be his fate. No one nearby heard David scream either. Authorities in most cases involving strange disappearances are wrapped with attention and will scour every last inch of terrain to find a missing child. However, when it comes to strange disappearances in national parks, many officials seem unwilling to be fully open and honest. 
David's parents have gone on record to say they do not believe that he was dragged off by a cougar. They believe he was kidnapped and that he still may be alive somewhere and that the body wasn't even his. Some believe that authorities know more than they're saying and at the very least it's clear there is a lot more mystery and danger in the woods than they're willing to admit. Perhaps one of the most famous strange disappearances in national parks happened in 1969 to a young boy named Dennis Martin. Six-year-old Dennis Martin was vacationing with his family in the middle of the Great Smoky Mountains in a popular spot called Spence Field. While his parents were talking to another adult, Dennis, his brother, and some other kids decided it'd be funny to play a prank on the family. They all decided to split up hide, and jump out to scare their parents in a harmless prank. Three of the boys went one way, and Dennis went the other. The four kids hid, but only three jumped out. Dennis just vanished, and that was the last anyone ever saw of him. Six miles from Spence Field, a young boy screamed and claimed that he saw what looked like a bear but then looked like a large man with something strange slung over his shoulder. A frantic search party started almost immediately, but no trace of Dennis was ever found. The search party lasted until night, when torrential rain washed away any scent that could potentially be used by bloodhounds to find the missing child. Within the subsequent days, the FBI, the Green Berets, the police, and just about every other form of official aid was dispatched to find Dennis Martin, but no footprints or articles of clothing belonging to him ever showed up. What's really bizarre about the case is the government reaction to it. The leader of the FBI group who organized the search committed suicide for unknown reasons. Another special forces member by the name of Harold Cleveland later issued a statement in 2014 in which he says something paranormal must have been afoot. In a statement that he sent to the News of the Weird, he wrote the following. Our special forces are never called to assist civilian operations. That falls on the local National Guard and approved by the state governor. The fact that they were armed as well is another huge no-no. During my command and every other mission I was aware of, we were not allowed by federal protocol to do either. Something is very wrong with this missing kid scenario. I've done some research on this case both while on active duty and after my retirement. The inside facts of this case depict a frightening investigation. Bottom line is that searching started within minutes of the boy's disappearance and lasted three months with every resource imaginable being deployed. Don't even start with the, quote, terrain is difficult, holes and caves and cliffs and creeks and etc., etc. Our special troops can find almost anything, anytime, and in any terrain. We have the highest technology available worldwide and easily the best training and real-world wartime and mission-specific experience that a normal civilian populace can scarcely imagine. After studying this case, the fact that no trace 
of the boy was ever found is mind-boggling. The Green Berets that were tasked in this search were there for a specific reason. They were armed for a specific reason. I can't and won't say why because my oath documents won't allow it, but I will remind you of these facts. Nationwide, there have only been four occasions where the special forces were brought in on a civilian missing persons case. Two of these cases involved an armed perpetrator. The other two were this case, and another similar to it about three years later and regionally nearby. This is out of thousands of missing cases since the early 60s when our special troops were born. After reading Harold Cleveland's article, it's hard not to think there's something potentially terrifying living in national parks related to all the strange incidents. We civilians don't know what it is, but judging by the notes that he wrote, we probably don't want to know what's out there. Our final story tonight is almost too unbelievable to be true, yet it is. If you ever find yourself at a ventriloquist show, don't see if you can catch their lips moving. Keep your eyes on the doll. There are ventriloquists with the talent of making the public smile by making shows with their puppets. Although many of these tend to have disturbing expressions in the end, they show us sympathy with their funny jokes. Charlie McCarthy used to be one of them. He was recognized for being a successful ventriloquist in the 20th century, as during his performances, he used to have a rather peculiar puppet. However, things would change when it was discovered that he had a dark secret that he had been carrying for some time. In 1920, McCarthy became famous in one of his first shows by introducing Edgar, a ventriloquist puppet with quite different characteristics from a normal one. It represented an eight-year-old boy. His complexion was plump and his facial features were very expressive and somewhat chilling. And even though his eyes were made of wood, it could reflect a look of sadness or even evil. Still, what made McCarthy grow and turn him into a master was his ability to change his voice in an extremely different way and without showing any facial movement when interpreting Edgar's voice. This was what got the attention of many people who followed him through his tours. However, not all people thought the same back then. There were many who were superstitious and started rumors of McCarthy being an apprentice of witchery, since they believed that he used some evil trick to make the puppet speak. This rumor spread so fast that people began banning children from attending his performances, People started talking even more about the topic when it was found out that McCarthy had a strange fascination with the puppet. He used to take care of him as if it was his own son and didn't allow the public or the work staff to get close to Edgar. He was the only one who could touch and keep him inside his box. At the end, his career ended one night while McCarthy was touring the United States. When the show was over, he went to the dressing room and locked himself in there for hours. The theater workers realized that he was still inside the place, so they knocked through the door to warn him they were about to close, but McCarthy didn't answer. After countless rumors that ran over the star, it was expected that employees feared coming into the room. They decided to call the police thinking the worst. 
When they arrived and forced the dressing room door open, they found something that left them totally in shock. McCarthy was lying on the ground lifeless, his neck completely destroyed and soaked in red. After reacting to the terrible scene, the authorities focused on finding Edgar. They thought that some individual had entered into the dressing room in order to take McCarthy's life and steal the puppet. But when they found the box and opened it, the puppet was there with a penetrating and chilling gaze that even the officers themselves feared to grab him. But it was necessary to, since they had to carry out the investigation to discover who had caused that horrible tragedy. While analyzing the puppet, they discovered something even more terrifying. The investigation into McCarthy's death was interrupted when they found out that Edgar was not actually a puppet, but the actual body of a child. There were fingerprints on the puppet's fingers, and his face was covered with a latex mask to cover his paleness. They couldn't figure out the identity of the boy, and the most dreadful thing is that nobody knew how McCarthy got to keep up the body. Charlie McCarthy wasn't actually a bad person. There's this theory which mentions he lost his son, and after much sadness and being in denial to accept his loss, he decided to keep his body and turn him into a puppet, so that way he could live, even if this was only during his shows. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Cryptic Portal. Remember to like or follow us so you won't miss any of the new episodes we bring to you every Wednesday. We appreciate your support and ask that you please share and leave us a review. If you have a story you would like featured on an upcoming episode, you can submit to crypticportal at yahoo.com. narration, music and production by Mike and Marvin. Copyright Cryptic Portal 2021.